The Secrets of Star Trek is brought to you by the StarQuest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash give. You're listening to The Secrets of Star Trek, where we discuss the hidden layers and deeper meanings found in all the Star Trek TV series, movies, and more. And today we're discussing the mid-season finale of Season 1 of Star Trek Prodigy called A Moral Star Part 2. Not um, an amoral star, but A Moral Star. <laughs> it's hard to say. I'm Dom Bettinelli, and joining me today on the panel are Father Corey Stika. Hi, Father Corey. How's it going, Dom? Very well, thanks. And Jimmy Aiken. Hi, Jimmy. Nanu, nanu. <laughs> remember, <laughs> folks, remember to like The Secrets of Star Trek on Facebook at facebook.com slash Media. Retweet us on Twitter where we're at SQPN, and we'd love to hear from you on our social media. So let us give us some comments and feedback there. I also want to tell you about another show on the StarQuest Network uh, that you'll sure to enjoy called The Secrets of Stargate, where we have a great panel, including Father Corey, talking about the fabulous Stargate TV series out there, including Stargate SG-1. And you want to get in on Stargate now because Amazon bought the the... MGM, which owns the rights to Stargate, which means I'm going to guess there's going to be a billion dollar Stargate series reboot or continuation out there at some point soon. So you'll want to check that out. Get it on the ground floor. We'll be talking about that, too. You know, there's been some news relatively yep. recently about that. So, yes. So definitely start listening to the Secrets of Stargate and watching one of the best sci fi series of the late uh, 1990s, early 2000s. Uh, that's wherever you can find fine podcasts or at sqpn.com slash Stargate. So, Jimmy, uh, Nanu Nanu, what, you have to tell everyone where that's from. Oh, that's from Mork and Mindy. Mork for Mork. That's a typical Orkin <laughs> greeting. That's right. <laughs> so, Played uh, by the great Robin Williams. The, the great, late great Robin Williams. Fantastic. So, uh, Jimmy, could you give us a recap of A Moral Star Part 2? Oh, Shazbot. Um, yeah, okay. Um, <laughs> last time, the Diviner got both Gwyn and the Protostar, but we learned that Gwyn's job was to distract her father while the kids freed all the slaves on the asteroid mining colony. This time, the kids do that. They fix the Rev-12's engines, restore artificial gravity, and fight off a bunch of robots with the help of the newly liberated slaves. Meanwhile, the Diviner is trying to get the core of the Protostar's drive back so he can make it to the Federation. He wants to go there. Helping him is the reprogrammed Dark Janeway, or so it seems until Dark Janeway reveals that she's just been pretending. She's actually real Janeway. Gwen updated her security systems to prevent the Diviner from overriding them. And after real Janeway's heel face turn, she attacks the Diviner and rips off one of the tubes of his bio suit, severely damaging him. This forces him to tell Gwen the truth that he has been holding back. It turns out that he's from the future and has been sent back in time to save his home planet, Solemn. At some point, the Federation will make first contact with Solemn and it will spark a civil war that will kill everyone. So he's back in our time to stop that first contact from ever happening. To do that, he's put a computer virus on the Protostar, and when it comes back to the Federation, the virus will spread and cause all the Federation ships to turn on and destroy each other, thus destroying Starfleet. Gwyn thus realizes that they can never go back to Starfleet. 
At this moment, the kids start beaming over from the Rev-12. To make to take out the Diviner, Zero comes out of his shell and reveals his true Medusan form, driving the Diviner insane. Unfortunately, Gwen sees a reflection of Zero and loses her memory of the encounter with her father, so she no longer knows about the virus on the Protostar. Afterwards, the former slaves are given the Rev-12 to take wherever they want, the Diviner is exiled alone on the asteroid mining colony, and the crew of the Protostar warp to Federation space. The last thing we see is the real Janeway, the real, real biological Admiral Janeway, mm -hmm. on her new ship rushing to greet the Protostar. The end. Excellent. So, um... Yeah, so a lot a lot happens in this one. In the we get a lot of answers to things that we we'd been looking for. Uh, it felt for very satisfying on. as a season ending non season ender. <laughs> right, because mid, mid season break. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. They call it a mid season finale, but we have no idea when the next episode is going to be. Probably not till the end of twenty twenty two at earliest, sometime in the fall yeah. or winter. So it's going to be a long time before we get the rest of this season. Uh. So it's satisfying to get some answers now. So we get this this with the reveal that the Diviner is trying to get to Starfleet with the with the ship. I said we get a reveal, but I'm still kind of uncertain why he is so focused on the Protostar. Is it because it, it in the future they know the Protostar was lost and therefore if we can find it and we we can deliver it back to Starfleet and they'll welcome it with open arms? It that could be part of it. I I'm guessing that it may have been the protostar that made first contact, and mm. and so that was the ship available to them, and um or or maybe not, but yeah. somehow he gets the protostar. That's the ship available. That's the one that has the virus on it. Right. He he can't you know reengineer everything so that he can deliver the virus by a different way conveniently. So he wants the protostar because that's the one that's been armed as a weapon that he can use. Well, there's, right. there's also the aspect of that. It, it's the only ship that can get from the Delta quadrant to Fast. the alpha quadrant, you know, within matter of hours or days versus months or years. Sure. Sure. Uh, there's also that factor that we did see, you know, Janeway's memory of Dreadnought taking over the ship while it still had its crew on it. And right. so somehow we go and went from Chakotay, Captain Chakotay and the crew to the ship being abandoned and be, the ship being lost to the Diviner somehow. So there's still some question on how that all happened. Uh, so more answers to come, apparently. Yeah. And I'm expecting Chakotay in a dungeon at some point. Yeah. Or yep. prison colony or something. Um, and we did get a star date in this episode. Yes, this is did. in the 60, 6100s. And and so that's it? much closer, much closer to Voyager. That would put it seven years after Voyager, okay. six years, six years, roughly, because last uh, end game for Voyager was five, four, nine, seven, three. And this was six, one, one, oh, three. How's so that about to six years. Other dates we've had like lower decks. Do you do we recall what lower decks? Uh, was? Lower decks. I don't remember. Memory Alpha has a like a big timeline thing that has. And that's what I'm out. looking at. Yeah, <laughs> the, it's effectively though twenty years after the beginning of Next Generation because that right. began with the forty one thousands. Right, 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 right. Uh, lower decks numbers. The only only date we know is from like well end of season two is five eight one three zero so this would still be three yeah. years after after lower decks, lower decks. so and it's still about the right time frame but if, before you know, that's 61 okay you know um cool yeah it was nice to kind of be able to set it in time finally and figure out I, when things are 
and I don't know if the 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 one we we'd argued about the six zero one thousand yeah. start date was just a mistake on the writer's part. It could have been, that, or, it, or it could have been. They just kind of kept in or, there. You know? I, I know they said it was supposed to reflect the time distortion, but it is so far out in the mm-hmm. future yeah. that I'm guessing writer's mistake, and that was a cover excuse. It's <laughs> Somebody, like, it, right. <laughs> oh, no, it was because of the time distortion in yeah. that yeah, episode. Yeah. That's why. So it wasn't that I sat finger zero. zero. In, <laughs> yeah. Exactly. <laughs> so, uh, we, so we mentioned that back on Tars Lamora, the, the, the mining prison planet, the the watchers, which are the robots that have been uh, the the prison guards for all the unwanted, they're called. Uh, yeah, they're like little mechanical ski, sea lice scorpions. Yeah, yeah, they <laughs> they get a definite uh, droideka droid feel to them from you know the Star Wars prequels, uh, a real feel for that from that too. They reactivate, and so uh, you got uh, Rock and uh, uh, Pen- um can never get his name right. Jankum Pog. Jankum Pog. I was going to say the, uh, switch the J and the P. Think, Pog. Think, the, think janky pig. Janky pig. Thank you. That, that will now be perfect. There you go. Perfect. <laughs> Jankum Pog. They're, they need to go fix the end, the red 12, rev 12 engines. I, I want to say red, rev 12 engines. And Jankum has been the engineer all this time, but he doesn't know what to do. But we recall that rock had all that time to learn about, you know, engineering. And so she knows exactly what to do. And so now she's spouting techno babble like the best of them. Yes. Yep. Although, and and what, go ahead. I was going to say one thing I do like about this is they haven't dropped it. You know, it's so often in Star Trek, you'll have a character will go through these, you know, life changing experiences. And the next episode, they're rebooted back to their regular right. character. Right. And they haven't dropped this. So on the other hand, I, I, and I appreciate that. I, I would also, I would appreciate it more if this were not, as blunt as children's writing tends, television writing tends mm-hmm. to be, where it's like, uh, um, you're still treating me like I'm just capable of being a security officer when I can do all this stuff too now. And it's like, okay, no, I got that. I was, I understood that, you know, <laughs> as soon as, as soon as you came out of the time loop. So yes. um, tell us what you can do and let's have you do that. But right. it doesn't get portrayed that way in children's TV writing. There's a definite uh, Game of Thrones mov- moment here, by the way. Where uh, if you haven't watched Game of Thrones, there's a character. I named, haven't. Uh, there's a character named Hodor, and th- there's this dramatic moment where the 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 hordes of bad guys are trying to get through the door, and he has to hold the door, and that's where we find out oh. he got his name yep. through a time mental thing through time to when he was a child. It's kind of a weird Game of Thrones thing, but. She's got they this have, Hodor moment. <laughs> they have time weird mental things in in Game of Thrones. Yes, it's a, okay. he, he projects it back in time to his younger self. His name oh. was this like a, a seat last season? Because I heard the last season of oh, Game yeah. of Thrones just went off the rails. Oh yeah, it's a last season thing, and it yeah it just okay. got off the rails. Uh, so uh, then we have Dreadnought who shows up just as you know, beams down again because the the protostars come back for its drive. Um, just as Dal has figured out how to work the translators into all the manacles. So now all of the unwanted who we may have forgotten, or some of us did that, uh, <laughs> that they couldn't communicate with each other, these all these different species. And finally they can communicate and they're so intent on talking to the people that they've worked beside for all these years without being able to, to communicate that they're for, <laughs> that Dal's like, okay, talk later, escape now. You know, he's trying to get them to the, yeah. to the ship. And if they've really been here for years, they should have, they should have, that's not out. fully realistic. We, you would develop yeah. a pigeon. 
Yes. Um, pigeons naturally occur when you have people who don't speak the same language encountering each other and, and forced to work or live beside each other. Um, a pigeon is a simplified version of a language that frequently borrows elements from more than one language. Um, and you like strip off all of the weird inflected forms and just go with basic nouns and verbs and mm-hmm. and you make it work. And right. they should have like Tars Lamora pigeon by this point. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You know, it's basic, you know, each other's name, you point to your chest, uh, you know, Dom, you know, and you know, that sort of stuff and rock, you point to a rock, you know, that's sort of, what would have happened. Teach each other the names for, you know, slop and ankle bracelet and things like <laughs> yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. It would have, it would have had happened. So the, the Cation child, the, the one that looks like a little uh, uh, kitty cat. She's uh, back and she's, she's back. got lightsaber claws. <laughs> she's, oh yeah. She's got the Black <laughs> Panther uh, vibranium claws. Uh, I, I just watched uh, Captain America's Civil War yesterday. So that's what mm-hmm. it reminded me of. And uh, nice. she, she's the one who dispatches Dreadnought uh, in the end, which is. She, she decapitates him. Yeah. Oh she, yeah. She gets a moment there. Um, and she gets a line. We actually get because now the translators work and she gets to talk. Um, I don't know. I don't recall it, but you it know, wasn't she, particularly memorable. It was basically posturing. We've got a, we've got a voice head off, something like that. Yeah. 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 Uh, but the the diviner still gets the protocol from Murph, who had swallowed it and gets back to the uh, gets back to the ship. Um, I missed the po- the point that. The J- the hollow Janeway protection was not that Gwyn reversing it at the moment, but that she'd installed upgrades to prevent the takeover before, which she, would yeah. make sense yep. because mm-hmm. of what Dreadnought had done in the past to delete her. Delete her exactly. Yeah, let's let's upgrade her antivirus. Well, there was there was and there was a line in the previous episode when they were heading back uh, to the Diviner that you know she said, "Oh, that's a great upgrade," you know, something like that, where Gwyn was working on an upgrade, and that's oh. or you know. And basically, Gwyn just put some anti-hacking software, yeah. which they should have had by the 24th century. Yeah. But that's a whole nother and uh, as well as antivirus. But that's a whole nother story. Norton, yeah. 24th century. Um, yeah. By the way, if we're ex- since y'all are forcing me, since it's forced Jimmy to explain terminology meanings <laughs> today, <laughs> I will I will explain one that I used in uh, in the episode description where I described Jane Janeway as having a heel face turn. Sure. Because yes. not everybody may know what that is. Um so um, in professional wrestling, it's all really plotted out and scripted in advance. And it's, thing, it's like re- it's like reality <laughs> television. It's not the, the plot lines you see running at, running on professional wrestling are not real. They are mm-hmm. artificial, but um, they pr- professional wrestlers pretend as if they are real to give the illusion of verisimilitude. <laughs> and this illusion of verisimilitude in professional wrestling is known as kayfabe which is sort of pig Latin for fake. Um, yeah. And professional wrestlers do not break kayfabe in public usually, but behind the scenes, they have a whole set of jargon for talking about stuff. So some wrestlers are portrayed as villains at various points in their career. And these villain wrestlers are known as heels from the classic insult. You're such a heel. Um, others who are portrayed as heroes are known as faces from the term baby face, you know, Mm. baby face is cute and good. And so if you're, if you're a baby face, if you're a good guy, you're, you're a face, but in order to make, in order to produce drama, 
over the course of wrestling careers, people will go back and forth between being a villain and a hero. And so whenever a villain turns into a hero or vice versa, it's known as a turn because mm-hmm. they've turned from being a villain to being a hero or vice versa. So if a hero goes to being a villain, that is known as a face heel turn because you went from being a baby face to being a heel. But if you are a villain and you become a good guy, that is known as a heel face turn. And that's what Janeway does in this episode. She is like right. a professional wrestler who's pretending to be a bad guy. And then she suddenly turns and becomes good. And that's her heel face turn. Mm. I always thought I'd heard the term heel turn before. I was mm-hmm. like, it's someone who turned on their heel. It was an abrupt change. But I guess well, not. It, it, it may partially inspire that as well. But a heel turn is where you become a heel. Right. Right. Interesting. It's kind of interesting. I, yeah. Thank you for that. I, yeah. A little bit of a little bit of knowledge. Always good. Um, so. Janeway ends up fighting once she does her switch. She ends up fighting the diviner. As you mentioned, she she pulls one of the tubes with the life saving liquid, which not we're, we're not sure what that's all about yet. Uh, I like that they don't even bother giving us techno babble. They've just made the point. Yeah. Yes, it is vital to his survival somehow. And, and that makes it really disturbing when Janeway just yeah. yanks that thing. <laughs> yes, he is disabled at that point. Um, although we they don't. I don't see them fix it, and he doesn't seem to be dying. So, uh, it, well, they uh, they do show it fixed. They do oh, that when they're in yeah. the hologram. Oh, it okay. is fixed, so you, you can imagine that. Okay, so Gwen took him down to the sick bay, and they fixed it, and then went to okay. the hologram. But it's that moment where he's severely damaged and could die that forces the truth out of him, and he turns to Gwen and says, "Save our people." Mm-hmm. Right, and this goes to something that we've been speculating on in previous episodes. I think you, Father Corey, was advancing this yep. one, especially was that that he they were t- he was a time traveler, not Gwyn yeah. specifically. Yeah, there, there's going to be time travel involved, and yeah, it, I could thought it? that it might be the protostar, which it still could be. I mean, yeah. we we don't know that for a fact, but, but you were right. Definitely. Credit, yep. yeah, credit where credits due. I'll and, take it. I'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> so send back in time to save their planet, and they take them to the the holodeck where there's conveniently a. Uh, a uh, program running that in the in the databanks of so Solemn. Solemn is basically John Connor, I guess. Uh, well, Solemn is the planet. Solemn's the planet, but oh, the diviner sorry, no, is no, John. No, Connor. The diviner is John. Con- is John Connor? Does that make yeah. does he, you can see him feed a memory card into the? Oh, he does. He does. Yes, he does. Uh, Dreadnought could be the Terminator. His SD then, card. I guess. <laughs> yeah, he sticks. He sticks an SD card into the the memory slot of the protostars holodeck. And so we get this extended moment where he's explaining to Gwyn, like, look, we're saving our people because Starfleet it was introduced as this factor in our society that caused division. And I kind of feel like this is a um, a bit of mo- the, the real world breaking through the fourth mm-hmm. wall here. Like mm-hmm. we're talking uh-huh. about divisions in society, which I think is a worthwhile oh. thing to talk about. Um, I thought it was just a nice poke at the prime directive. Yeah, I mean, or a nice yeah. bit of realism that where when you when you make first contact with people, it's not always going to go right. Right. It's true. True. Right. Yeah, and we've had first contacts go poorly in past in Star Trek too, but this is the most uh, dramatic. No, I was thinking Planet yeah. Earth. We've had first contacts go poorly. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. That's true. A lot of them. But uh, but I th- I felt like there was also a little bit of there's a lot of talk these days about you know division and he talks about that it caused a division within their society. Do we want to be part of the Federation? Do we not? 
in that it created a civil war that that caused the complete destruction. And so his solution is to go back in time and prevent it, but not by, you know, convincing people that this was a bad course to take, but no, to <laughs> genocide and or or at least to destroy thousands of people's lives. Civilization just, aside. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, it doesn't seem like the, the best the solution. Yeah. Psychopath um, much? Yeah, right. Exactly. Right. Um, so, and while he's showing Gwyn the the holodeck uh, image of Solemn, the Red Twelve, they manage to get it flying. They they get there. They they manage to get the protostar to drop its shields by shooting it, even though they don't feel it on board. They don't notice. Um, there, it's very targeted. They're fo- trying to shoot the shield emitters and not otherwise right. damage the ship. Right. Um. So he plans to use this viral weapon to wipe out Starfleet and it doesn't seem like a great plan <laughs> this, vi- <laughs> this virus does it <laughs> because I mean sure you'll infect a couple ships they'll start attacking each other so but you got are you gonna just dis- Starfleet's Subs- pretty resilient sub- subspace yeah. radio speed limitation itself is going to is going to slow the propagation of this virus and give people a chance to hit the kill switch and turn off their internet. Right. 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 Yeah. And find a solution and program it out. And yeah, it just doesn't seem release like a patch. Yeah. I mean, we, we saw this with the uh, early next generation episode where the, the, the galaxy class ships were having computer because the Yamato got, blown up in something like this. I know, it? and it's right. so funny watching those late 80s shows where they the writers don't yet know the term computer virus. And they, <laughs> exactly. They have to refer to it as something like a self-replicating data pattern. <laughs> Which is yes. a good definition of a computer virus. Which is pretty much a virus, a self-replicating data pattern, uh, but physical uh, in, in the case of a, a biological virus. Um, yep. Yeah, and then you mentioned how Gwyn realizes we have this tragic moment and it's it's a pretty good writing gimmick that they have her find out that they can never go to starfleet which is the thing that they finally figured out they want to do like we okay Mm -hmm. yeah we finally overcome our division among ourselves and we the the our desire to run away as opposed to be part of something bigger and then now it turns out that they can't this is a that dramatic moment and then she's going to forget that they can't and we end on this dramatic moment note of we're going to go and it should be our triumph, but the audience knows this is a bad thing. But does Janeway forget? Like, was Janeway not monitoring? Janeway wasn't there. Janeway wasn't, Janeway wasn't there. there. She wasn't in the holodeck when when the Diviner revealed all this. And we've, we're still going with the uh, the old thing that the hollow uh, programs are only present in one place at one time. She uh, literally walks into the holodeck. Yeah. With yeah. the rest of the crew. Yeah. It, it, the, I know, really, she should be, I mean, she's the ship's Alexa. She should be hearing everything that goes on on board. Yeah, right. 24th century privacy controls are much stronger, apparently. <laughs> yes, yeah. even when bad guys are on board. <laughs> In any but of case. course, it's funny, though, because there's, I can't, there's a couple episodes ago, episodes, episodes ago where they're talking and Dallas says, Janeway, I know you're listening. Right, yeah. right. You'd think she would be, you know, listening. Well, anyway. Um, Kids show. Yeah, kid show. So Dell is the first one to beam aboard. They can only beam, you know, once they've only got so much of the shields down. So he beams aboard alone to rescue Gwyn. Um, he confronts the Diviner 
Uh, and and the diviner immediately takes him, takes him out with that programmable matter bracelet thingy that yeah. Gwen has. Mm-hmm. Earlier, Gwen tries to use it on the diviner. She's like going to skewer him with it, and he's like, "Oh yes, remember who gave you this thing?" And then, <laughs> whoop, he takes control of it. Yes, <laughs> yes, that that was good. I, th- that, I thought that was a you would never give a he he doesn't seem like the type to give a a weapon to someone that he can't the be immune from. Uh, and that's the case here. Yep. Um, so, yeah, Gwyn tries to help. She gets hurt by by the diviner, and that's when Zero shows up. You mentioned, and that's shows- pretty powerful when he gets out yeah. of his shell and yeah. And his rationale is, "You used me to hurt other people, and um, because humans are not able, and other similar sentients are not able to bear the image of a Medusa without going crazy." Right. That's established back in the um, original series. And um, and so when he gets out of his shell, it's like you used me to hurt others. Now I'm going to make sure you can't hurt anybody else. So wham, massive sanity attack. Right. And then you have Dal holding Gwyn's like, yeah, just look in my eyes. Don't look. Don't look at at what's going on. Though you said close your eyes, but okay, Um, That would be better. That would have been better. (laughs) Would have saved her because she ends up seeing Zero's reflection in Dal's combat, which is um, symbolic that they, you mm-hmm. know, the symbol of Starfleet. Uh, it also also harkens back to that original series episode because it was Spock who got a glimpse of the Medusin, right? That's what we've yep. got mm-hmm. in, in, in that sort of thing. Um, so even a, even a reflection will do some damage. And so she's disabled before she can tell them about the viral weapon. And she eventually gets healed. We get this extended epilogue where Janeway, you know, talks about what's happened since the Diviner. He's been ab- abandoned, which is interesting that they abandoned him on the planet insane. Yeah, yeah, that's not really realistic. You don't if you're Starfleet and you have a drooling idiot. You don't <laughs> you don't even if he was a bad guy, he's a drooling idiot now. And yes. you don't leave him on a planet by himself with no means to take care of himself. Yeah. Now what's dark. gonna ha- what's gonna <laughs> happen dramatically though is this is how they bring him back as a serious villain because they also left the decapitated dreadnought on that asteroid. Yep. Yeah. And so eventually Dreadnought is going to get put back together and he and Solemn together will reemerge as serious villains. They'll Yep. find some way to get off the planet because the rev 12 is gone the unwanted have taken the rev 12 off on their own adventures yeah uh, and, and there could it could be as simple as a uh, diamond nandy shows up for payment right mm-hmm. right yeah that uh, i could see that happening so uh and then yeah like i said we had this extended uh janeway uh log training officers log uh about how they've all dealt with what's happened and how the sh- the crew is now recovering. Uh, Gwyn is recovering, although she's lost her memory and they're off to, uh, and zero is affected by what has happened to Gwyn that uh, zero yeah. feels some responsibility. Um, and then uh, we get this epilogue of Admiral Janeway aboard the USS Dauntless, which is a ship that has yep. been mentioned before. And I don't know if it's been mentioned in live action, but it's certainly been mentioned in um games so this is this is actually based off of the voyager episode hope and fear where the fake uss dauntless comes from the future it was the nx-01a and it was it was actually a fake ship uh but they were but voyager was able to 
get lots of data off of it. And this is according to the producers um, that this ship was built based off of the Voyager data. Right. So it was a future ship. It has a quantum slipstream drive, which is Mm -hmm. the faster than warp drive drive, uh, but uh, presumably not as fast as protowarp. Right. and they've been apparently detecting the protowarp signature and been trying to track it down. And so they finally got the, the coordinates. And so they're heading off. So presumably what's going to happen is, is they're going to show up to the protostar and the virus is going to affect the Dallas and it's going to start attacking the protostar. And that's how they're going to overcome the virus uh, probably. or something. Yeah. But it'll yeah. be contained in the Delta in the gamma quadrant away from the rest of the Federation. Right. Exactly. So unfortunately now, at, and also it's worth noting that Janeway believes Captain Chakotay is still in command of the protostar. So right. there's going to be an interesting awakening when they get in contact. Um, but we have a problem of the kids can't just ever take the ship to the Federation and turn it over or we have no series anymore. Right. Right. So even though, I mean, unless they want to get much more creative with writing than I suspect, um, if this is a typical children's show, those kids will always be on that ship mm-hmm. and as their primary mode of transportation. And um, and so that means that even if we get temporary stuff with Janeway, with real biological Janeway, we should have a holographic Janeway and biological Janeway. Um, yep. <laughs> but um, I- even if we get stuff like this, an encounter with biological Janeway, it is it is not going to last. Um, right. And and so there will have to be a separation. And I, I could see him doing something like where uh, some of the original crew of the pros are like like Chakotay are recovered. Yeah. And then they go back in charge of the ship and then the kids remain on the ship as cadets and, you know, that kind of deal. And that that would be very, that would be more creative than I'm expecting them to be because that's, Mm. that's out having a fundamental change of premise like that, where, uh, where you have real adults, real biological adults in the room um, when they weren't there in, in at the end of episode one, when the premise was established, that's more that's more creative than you typically get in children's television. In children's television, once you establish the main plot, you typically don't change it. It yeah. would be fun to see them have to like Dal have to deal with no longer being the captain and yeah, trying right. to conform to Starfleet standards. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, uh, you know, yeah. to, to be fair too, though, in children's television, you usually don't see the change like Rock went through. And mm-hmm. see that sticking. True. So, right. I mean, and, and I don't see it being that dramatic of a change. Although, yeah, it would be a shift because I don't, I don't see them keeping the diviner around through multiple seasons. It's only so I, I long. think he's a, he's yeah. a one season, likely a one season bad guy, and then he'll be defeated, vanquished to you know Starfleet prison or something. Because that's the other thing about children's programming is, is like unless it's you know the the Smurfs and you have you know uh, um, Azrael. Gargamel, you know, Gargamel. As, yeah, Gargamel, uh, all, you know, it's more like you have resolution with villains, essentially, either it's a you know, Skeletor and He-Man sort of thing, or it's a, a villain that gets resolved at the end of the season. And it feels like I don't feel like that they can drag out this planet solemn thing forever. 
No, they do and eventually need to get to a point where they undo the disastrous first contact. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, in, in some, in one way or another, that first contact becomes undone later in the series. Mm -hmm. There may still be a first contact, but it won't be the one that, that doomed everybody on Solemn. Maybe the maybe it was the Cerritos who went back for second contact and messed everything up. <laughs> that would be fun. That would, that would be, fun. be really funny. <laughs> Although it, it does take place, you know, I think it said 50 years in the future. But, you know, uh, just imagining that. Uh, all right. Any other thoughts on this episode, uh, Father Corey? No, I think we got everything I want to talk about. How about you, Jimmy? Uh, the same, although I don't know that the first contact is 50 years in the future. When the diviner was showing um, Gwen the holodeck, he said, show solemn 50 years after first contact. Right. Okay. And so we're seeing the wasteland that that resulted as a result of their genocidal civil war. So presumably first contact is going to be much closer in time, which will generate yeah. extra drama in right. the next year, in the first later in this first season or in the second mm -hmm. season or something it's going to become urgent to address the first contact situation. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, the diviner might've been sent back, you know, 60 or 70 years because of course right. he's been looking for the pro star for 13 years. And then, you know, so like if first contact happens the next year, you know, you're, you're talking again, you know, 65 years or something like that. Okay. Okay. Yeah. 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 I get that. All right. That's, that's good. That I like that better uh, because then it makes it much more present. Um, all right. Uh, so as far as we're concerned, this is the our end uh, of our time with Prodigy for now. And we'll pick up when they when they come back at some point. I'm so glad we had this time <laughs> together. Thank you, Carol Just Burnett. To... <laughs> another another reference, folks. Another deep cut 70s TV callback or 70s, <laughs> 80s TV callback. Yeah. So we'll we'll be picking up from here. We're going to be. Uh, Actually, we're going to be going back to our rotation through uh, the pre-existing Star Trek. Um, and uh, we're going to be finishing for the first finishing out the first season of uh, Discovery with the very last episode of Discovery. Finally. Finally. <laughs> Finally. Oh. Yes. But uh, then uh, eventually in a few weeks, we're going to have the season premiere of Picard season two. So we'll be talking about that when it comes out as well. So uh, before that, we finish up. I want to take a moment to thank our patrons who make it possible for us to create the secrets of Star Trek, including Peter E., Daniel M., James O., Billy C., and Placid K. Their generous donations at sqpn.com slash give make it possible for us to continue the secrets of Star Trek and all the shows at StarQuest. You can join them by visiting sqpn.com slash give. So that's it from us. We'd love to hear what you think of this first uh, mid-season finale, the first half of the first season of Prodigy, uh, the amoral oh, star. It's the first season, no matter what they call it. This was the first season. <laughs> All right, yeah. let's, let's, call, let's call it that uh, for now. What do you think of this first season of Prodigy? You can let us know by commenting on the show at sqpn.com slash track or our Facebook page, facebook.com slash Media, or send an email to Trek at sqpn.com and like I said we'll be back next time when we'll be discussing Will You Take My Hand the season finale of Discovery season one and until then Father Cory Stika <laughs> me slapping the hand away there you go <laughs> no that was the, the answer to that question until then Father Cory Stika thank you for joining me and sharing the secrets of Star Trek thank you Dom Jimmy Aiken thank you as well thanks Dom and live long and prosper 
And once again, I'm Dom Bettinelli. Thank you for listening to The Secrets of Star Trek on StarQuest. And remember, they are each a prodigy in the making. <laughs>